What is up, everybody? I am thrilled to be able to welcome you to Season 1, Episode 5 of Success in Dialogue with Patrick Lee, University of Michigan Athletics, featuring C.J. Baird and Jess Merzik. This was a fantastic episode with two extremely successful guests. I'm thrilled with the product, and I just want to thank you guys for taking your time to tune in and listen and make yourself better and get that value. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, follow us on Instagram at Success in Dialogue, on Twitter at SID Podcast One. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to our channel, like this video, and turn on post notifications. And as always, maybe the most important, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or if you have Apple Podcasts, please rate this episode, leave our podcast a review. Those are very important for listener origination, and I appreciate them all, and I read them all. That all being said, I won't hold you back any further from this fantastic episode. I hope you enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? Welcome to Season 1, Episode 5 of Success in Dialogue with Patrick Lee. And today we're talking University of Michigan Athletics with two extremely accomplished and well-known guests from our area, Jess Muzik and CJ Baird is joining us digitally, our first ever digital guest. He's coming to us over the internet airwaves, and we're going to get this going and uh, let them introduce themselves. But before we go anywhere, I'd also like to introduce our live studio audience, Connor Evan, avid listener of the podcast and all things sports extraordinaire. Thank you to the three of you for coming on. And uh, Jess, if you want to introduce yourself, go ahead. I'm Jess Merzik. I'm a freshman volleyball player at the University of Michigan. CJ? Uh, I'm CJ Baird. I'm a senior and a basketball player at the University of Michigan. Senior? Yeah. Wow. Finally there. Yeah, getting there. Uh, so we're going to start off, as we always do, the listeners will know, with the first pitch, kind of our icebreaker segment with a little bit more of a lighthearted question. And today's question is, will Jim Harbaugh win a college football playoff championship before he leaves the University of Michigan? Jess, you're first. Um, just from experience with a lot of my football friends, I'm going to say yeah, just because I know how much work that him and the um, rest of the staff put in. And I know um, just from talking to a lot of the guys that things are looking promising this year. So I'm going to say, yeah. Strong answer, CJ. I would actually, I would totally agree. I think uh, Michigan's in with him for the long haul. He's had a a lot of success through, uh, like through the conference, except for big rivals, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, not a big deal. uh, (laughs) Yeah, my gosh. Then, uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as Jess said, a lot of the guys are working hard. Uh, this really believe in the staff. Uh, I know a few guys on the team as well, and they're uh, they're really pushing for it this year or next, depending on how COVID shakes out. But uh, I think they really have a good foundation to win. Connor, I was afraid both of you were going to give that answer. <laughs> <laughs> there is a zero percent chance Jim Harbaugh wins a college football championship at the University of Michigan. That team. What is the record against Ohio State? Anybody know? I don't know. What is it? I bet you know. I'm Let's not sure talk about it. Be, actually, they don't, I don't think they beat Ohio State. So. All time or against Harbaugh? Harbaugh. Yeah, I don't think they've won. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but That's all you need to know right there. They don't even win the Big Ten. Talk about a national championship. You guys well, I'm telling you, one-loss teams are coming, becoming the big uh, sleepers getting into the college football playoff. I mean, 
you see Ohio State, you see some other Big Ten teams, um, they, have, they have struggles against other teams besides Michigan. So, I mean, it may be a long shot say we do struggle against Ohio State, but if they go two losses in conference, then uh, there's a lot better chance that we come out on top. Yeah, we're still going to be one of the top four teams in the country, though, with two losses. I, mean, I don't know about that. There's a lot, there's a lot's got to happen, CJ. I've met Ohio State two losses. Michigan can only come in. The, college football playoff is pretty much a one-loss or no-loss situation. Right. I agree with you there. Right. Hey, how about them Irish, though, eh? Yeah, how about them Irish? You know, they're always a sleeper to win. They're always a sleeper to win. <laughs> they're a sleeper to win. Although I was at that game this year. That was a little miserable. Yeah, so was I. Yeah. Not anyway, we won't talk about that on the air. Let's, let's yeah. keep that great school. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the first question I had for you guys and the question I open most shows with, um, on the show a lot, we like to talk about that go-get-it moment. Um, and you guys have accomplished a lot in your career so far. Not that they're by any means over, but was there a moment looking back or a period of time that you said, okay, this, is, this sport is something that I want to be great at this is something I want to be known for and succeed in past the normal level of somebody who participates. You guys have both taken it super far. So thinking back, CJ, we'll go to you first. Was there a time that you can remember kind of making that decision? Uh, yeah. So actually after my uh, sophomore year season at CC, um, I had the decision to go live. We lost our first district game and baseball trials were the next day. And I came home after we lost and I told my parents that I don't think I can go back to baseball. This loss hurt too much, and I want to come back even better than I was this year so we can win. And um, I think right then when I dropped baseball and I knew that I got to go and kind of put everything I have into basketball, that's when I really decided that I wanted to go for it. And uh, it kind of carried into summer season. It carried into my workouts. Um, it still carries with me now. Uh, now that it's all that I have, it's all that I I really put a lot of time into it. And I really care so much about it. Um, I think that was the moment where I decided like it's going to be basketball or it's going to be bust. Right. Was there somebody along the way, CJ, that you can point to who inspired you or whether that's like an NBA player or maybe a coach that you had at the time? Uh, actually, I would say it was my mom. Uh, my dad felt the opposite way. Uh, he wanted me to go with two sports because uh, he thought I had a better chance of playing baseball in college. Mm -hmm. But uh, my mom was really adamant that the, uh, some of the things that you enjoy the most in life are the things that you work the hardest at, because it feels like you've earned it. You've really become stronger at it. So like, for example, uh, you go out and buy something for yourself with your own money versus you get a gift from somebody else. When you buy it with your own money, oftentimes you're gonna take a lot better care of it because it's something that you've used or mm -hmm. something that you have earned technically. So that's kind of the way I felt about basketball. I felt like I was kind of handed some stuff in baseball, but I wanted to go and earn it. I wanted to go prove myself and show that uh, I was good enough. Yeah, go get it. Yeah, which, which you definitely did. Um, Jess, I guess same question for you. Was there a point in time when you said this is something that I want to excel at? Yeah, mine's actually pretty similar. It was my sophomore year. Um, up until my sophomore year of high school, kind of throughout my whole life, I was playing basketball and volleyball, so I was juggling um, two sports and that just got to be really tough in high school just because the game is elevated so much and it um, conflicted with club volleyball so I was having to pick um, one sport over the other most mm -hmm. of the time which was tough so I made the decision to stop playing basketball my sophomore year and 
that was really hard for me because everyone in my family played basketball. Uh, my brother played at CC and my parents and aunts and uncles all played. So that was probably the moment where I realized that I had to put everything I had into volleyball. And I definitely think in the long run, it worked out. Yeah. And were you, you were on a lot of colleges radar as a basketball player as well, right? Yeah. My coach always told me if I didn't play volleyball, I'd probably be more successful at basketball. But again, I just wanted to stick with volleyball and prove myself at the next level. How did you know that volleyball was the way forward? It got to a point in basketball where practices just weren't fun anymore. And I didn't want to stick with something that I wasn't enjoying and having a good time doing. So I knew as soon as I made that decision that it was the right call and I'm glad I made it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really what you look for because at, at a certain point, the road kind of, you have to split. There comes a time when in any field, I think there's a point of specialization where you need to be at a certain level. And it sounds like you guys kind of ran into that at the same time, um, which is pretty interesting. Uh, CJ, so for you after Catholic Central, you got into the University of Michigan and that was mostly based on your uh, academic performance. Uh, you've been a guy who over the years has done very well in the classroom. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you joined the team first as a manager and walked on and yeah, you were elevated it. to the roster. Can you talk about that experience? Because I feel like that's like the dream for a lot of people, you know, a lot of people who may have an outside shot at something and want to work their way in, which is exactly what you did. So if you could talk about that, that would be awesome. Yeah, so I guess when I came to, uh, I decided to go to Michigan because of academics, like you said, um, kind of the whole institution itself, the business school really kind of got me excited, the big university, so that was something that I wanted to do, and uh, I had opportunities to play at like Division three schools or low Division two schools, but I think that uh, what I had thought initially was, well, education is going to carry me furthest, and it still will. But getting the opportunity to walk on was because of my coach at the time, Coach Dyer. He uh, got in contact with Coach Beeline, and they talked to him about potentially having a walk-on tryout. And I came in a little too late, so they had already filled uh, two of the spots. And actually, the last spot wow. was filled by uh, one of my good friends now, who's still on the team, my roommate, uh, Luke Wilson. And uh, that was we always joke about that because later on, uh, one of the older walk-ons ended up quitting. And that was Coach Bewine's thing was he said, look, if you're a manager, we can kind of gauge your dedication to the program because it's all about the program. It's all about, like, if you're a walk-on, you're not going to play. He mm -hmm. said you've made it straightforward. He's like, you're not going to play very much, but you will get some great experience against some of the best players in the country. And that's all I ever wanted. So when one of the older walk-ons ended up quitting, that was my time. I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. When that opportunity came out for me, um, they had an open tryout. Mm -hmm. And they invited, they invited a couple people and they sent out like a, basically an ad saying, if you have played varsity basketball, you can come to this tryout. Mm -hmm. So every, a bunch of kids showed up, probably like 80 something kids that really thought they had a shot. And wow. uh, they ended up taking, it was a one day thing too. 80 kids one up, day. It was one day, three hours. And, um, oh my gosh, before that I... I remember how nervous I was, but then I, you get out on the court and uh, a lot of these kids are good players and there are a lot of good players that don't play basketball here in Michigan. And uh, the thing that kind of set me apart at least was um, knowing some people there, one, never hurts, mm -hmm. but two right. was the way that I um, 
I worked my butt off the whole three hours. I was exhausted. And um, finally getting through that tryout was just kind of a relief for me. And then finally they gave us this two-week trial period, too, to keep me more on edge. So wow. they threw you practices. How many guys did they take through that trial period? Four. Wow. Four guys. And it was <laughs> that was really nerve-wracking because they were like, all right, here's a jersey. Go play against Mo Wagner. And I'm like, whoa, okay. I did. He's like an NBA player. Right. I, I didn't sign up for this like on day one. Right. But that's what they made you do. They wanted to see how you'd respond. And um, I think the one thing that was really kind of telling for me was I wasn't like it was obviously big names, big players, but I wasn't afraid. Um, I still wanted to prove who I was, even if they were supposedly the best players in the country. I still wanted to show what I could do. And um, I guess the coaches saw that. And after that two-week trial period, they ended up taking me on the team. And uh, I joined the roster just before the first exhibition game my freshman year. Wow. So uh, talk about a stressful month. But no kidding. It was fun. It was really fun. And you were balancing school at the at that same time? Yeah, so I actually initially signed up for 17 credits. Oh, wow. My first semester. So I would, like, I'd finish practice and I walked 45 minutes to my dorm. Um, my dorm was on the other side of campus because I wasn't an athlete at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. So I'd walk home, study probably till 1 or 2, get up, go to my classes, and then go up, get on the bus and go right to practice. Wow. So it was, uh, it definitely tested me, but it was worth it in the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite the balance. Can you say something? So that's really interesting to me how, you know, you didn't get to walk on it first. You were a manager. They could gauge your interest and you were kind of hovering, waiting for that kind of moment of opportunity. Um, I feel like that is, I guess, a bit of a common trope these days in society because a lot of people's opportunities have been suspended or something like that due to the virus. What did you do to stay in the zone, I guess, and stay ready to pounce for an opportunity when it came up? Because as I said, I, I feel like that is very applicable, especially these days. Yeah, and I guess it, it does apply in a lot of different areas too with people kind of getting uh, laid off or like not being able to get that dream job because they're not hiring, stuff like sure. that. Um, the one thing that I've learned, especially over the years now, is uh, something that Coach Howard says all the time. I don't know if you guys have heard. It's like, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So that's the one thing that I kind of live by now because there are times where say there's a bunch of injuries and I may have to get out there. So I'm always working like I'm going to play. And when I was waiting to be a walk-on, I was working like I was about to try out. I kept working out. I kept, kept my mind right. I would go to the IM building and play pickup for three hours. I'd shoot and do all this stuff, but it was, I was trying to stay ready. So I'd be one step ahead. When the opportunity came, I didn't know when it would. I would be ready and I hit the ground run. Which you did. Yeah. How, how, and that's... Go ahead, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you're up. Um, so I, I guess like still now, it happened to me this year too. I actually, there was a couple injuries and some, uh, we had some, I didn't get a suspension or something. I ended up playing in the first half at a, in a road game for like 10 minutes and I hadn't played that many minutes my whole career. Right. And I went out there and didn't do anything fancy, didn't do anything crazy, but I knew what was expected of me. And we actually, the funny thing, I came back and all the coaches were super excited about my plus minus, which right. is not a big, bo- it's not a big box score at staff. I was like a plus 10 on the floor. Wow. Uh, and that's, again, like it really helped me out. It really helped me build my confidence because the opportunity came and although I didn't expect it, I was ready for it. That's awesome. That's really cool. So 
taking that story a little bit further for when you got the roster spot, now there was a little moment in your career and a little something called March Madness where you got the ball outside the arc and you put it up, man. You went like you were like you were a seasoned veteran and stroked it. I mean, you stroked it. Talk about the shot, man. I mean, that's that's crazy stuff. I remember coming back into school after you hit that shot. Oh my god, it was crazy. People were bouncing off the walls at CC, man. So I've I've been dying to hear this, and I'm sure a lot of people out there have. That was sweet. So, well, I mean, how does that even happen? Oh my gosh, it's like once in a lifetime experience. I mean, actually, um. I played March Madness two years in a row now, so I actually I made a three last year too, mm-hmm. and so I thought that was once in a lifetime, and I got to do it again. Mm-hmm. But at that point in time, um, we were absolutely blowing them out, mm-hmm. and I started getting a little nervous when I was like a minute left, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I actually might go in because we're up by thirty. Yeah. But when I went in there, all my teammates, they first thing they said was, "You have to go out there and you have to shoot." There is at like don't I don't care if you miss get yourself in the box score say you played a minute and it could end up being great and he said either way you're in the game and just do whatever you can so what happened was I actually ran on the court and I was fully expecting not to touch the ball like right. I was like okay this is kind of like a we're gonna walk the clock out and then our point guard Jaron Simmons ran over to me with the ball and he looked at me and he just handed me the ball. And I was like, oh, okay. I'll take it, whatever. I'll take it. And he said, he said, he like said, he ended up, he said, go shoot it. He said, do whatever you can. So for whatever reason, I called for a ball screen. I never do that. And I got the switch and their big man was a deep bench guy. And as a deep bench guy myself, I do know what it's like to come out and start having to play defense. So you're an advantage when you're on offense because mm-hmm. you have the ball in your hand. You got you got all the control. But when you're on defense, you're stiff. You're kind of like, oh, we're losing. Like who really cares? So I went out there and uh, I took I took one dribble towards half court and took a crossover back. And for whatever reason, the guy thought I was some speedster and he took like three steps off of me. And the second he stepped back, I just immediately shot it because that was something we had been taught to do in practice and uh we had practiced there the day before as well at the staples center and it's funny the exact same opportunity came up to me but i missed it in practice mm-hmm. but the fact that coach beeline had the confidence and my teammates had the confidence saying you can do that we don't care if you miss just keep shooting and uh that kind of carried me into the game and of course i let it go and went down and the rest is history that's right how did it feel oh my gosh i for a second, I didn't even realize it went in. Um, I kind of turned, I kind of looked at it for a second, and then I thought it was going to miss off the back of the rim. And then I turned around and looked at Coach Beeline, and I think he he thought I missed it. He told me I thought he thought I missed it. Uh-huh. And then I heard the crowd start going crazy, and, th- and that's when I was like, oh my gosh, it went in. I, I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. But um, yeah, that was amazing. Like looking around. Um, I got to see all the all the fans stand up because that seemed like, and I had heard from multiple people that were there that was the loudest the gym was the whole night. Um, That's awesome. Seeing the reaction of all the fans, my my uh, all my all my friends that were there, um, all my teammates were freaking out. Um, I think uh, I could easily say that was one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do. 
And um, the fact that we won made it a million times better. But right. again, like without my teammates, without the opportunity, without them believing in me, I don't think I could have done that. Um, so that really meant a lot to me. Right. And then, of course, now you are personal friends with uh, Johnny Football Manziel, <laughs> right? How did that? How did that little exchange go down? Post game. Oh my gosh! That yeah, my gosh. So one of my good walk-on buddies, uh, Brent Hibbets, he uh, so we they we got I got interviewed after the game, and for whatever reason, people were coming to my locker. I'm not used to that, so I always <laughs> I used to sit away from the stars, so my locker wouldn't be like buzzing after the game, and I could just kind of hang out. But they actually came to me, and one of the guys asked me, he's like, okay, there are a lot of celebrities there. Who do you want to shout out? And I honestly had no idea. I wasn't looking at celebrities. But my buddy Brent said, oh, yeah, I guess I saw Johnny Football over there. Like, why don't you say Johnny Football? And I was like, oh, yeah, Johnny Football. Like, kind of off the off I had, like, no idea he was there. I was like, all right. I mean, I know him. I've watched him play. Uh, might as well. And he actually, it was the part of the video the guy tweeted out. And then Johnny Football responded and said, love to see it. He said, even though I was rooting for the Aggies, like that was, uh, that was a pretty cool moment. And so he, he like pledged. He was like, okay, we're going to root for Michigan now. And I, I was like, okay, this is amazing. I, I was like, this is, yeah. like, I said something totally not even thinking. And the media, the reach that college basketball had, um, something that I did that was honestly, in the end, like it was just a cool moment for me. We would have won the game anyway. Nothing else would have happened. But like that platform and that moment really kind of propelled me to even get to like talk to people like that, exchange words with people like that. It was really special. That is cool. And Eggie, you had that game picked correctly in your bracket, right? Oh, I did. I did. It, it you was, had Texas A and M beating North Carolina. I did actually. Wow, that that was the matchup that I had set yeah. up. And I was, this guy's I was a bracket genius. Guys. Do I mean, not enter a bracket pool with Eggie. <laughs> oh, see, you're just going to lose if you do that. So. Yeah. He's taking my money. Well, except for the Nova Championship years. Yeah. That's my dark horse. With my dad going it. there. Oh, no. Sorry, CJ. Oh. No, yeah. that's okay. I, they were, that's one of the best teams I've seen. Yeah. That, the game that you guys played in against them was, I mean, that, te- that team as a unit. Gosh. Jay Wright is like my hero. Man. I'm just going to put it out there. Jay Wright. If you ever hear a whiff of this podcast, please reach out. You're my hero. I mean, just based on the clothes that he wears. I mean, good oh, lord, man. good lord. He is sharp. He is sharp. He is sharp, no doubt. CJ, I did just want to ask. So you've played under two coaches at the University of Michigan. Can you compare and contrast the styles of Beeline and Howard um, for people out there? I feel like I'm super interested to hear your answer. Just watching them. Um, coach both super successful teams over their careers and at Michigan? Yeah, so um, I guess one of the main differences, I mean, first of all, they're both fantastic coaches. Um, I guess the main difference is they're kind of both, and Coach Beeline is a little bit older, had an established culture, and uh, and Coach Howard kind of had to come in and kind of take over what Coach Beeline had left behind and add to his own new, uh, his own new ideas for our team. Um, Coach Beeline was an offensive mastermind, I'm sure, uh, if you're a college basketball fan out there, some of the plays that he ran uh, were unbelievable. Like I'd have to study him after I had seen him on the court because 
I still couldn't comprehend what was going on. But the man is always thinking. He's always one step ahead. He's got his next move planned out. He's got a counter move planned out. He's got something in case somebody gets hurt. He's ready with the next guy. Uh, his mind is going a million miles an hour. And uh, you can see that when you're like listening to him coach and stuff like that. He often would drop a play and then say, he would kind of go off and think about, oh, okay, but if he does this, then you do this. And he'd draw it all out. So the whiteboard would look like a big, just like expo markers all over the place and stuff right. like that. But honestly, he, that made me appreciate the details of the game a lot more. Uh, understanding that like putting your foot here on defense or making this cut here when this, when your defender reacts a certain way, uh, watching games with a lot more intensity and a lot more detail now is going to appreciate basketball on a whole other level. I thought I knew a lot about basketball coming out of high school. But now, like, stepping into listening to Coach Bewine, watching film, uh, learning more about other teams and player tendencies, I really grew to appreciate that because he was so detail-oriented. And uh, I guess on Coach Howard's front, uh, a little more than Coach Bewine, he's really emphasis on the personal relationships. Um, Coach Bewine's big on being the teacher, um, having a teacher-student relationship. Uh, so, like, we all, all had great respect for him, um, and we all really – wanted to learn from him it was kind of like he was very wise kind of like almost he i mean he did know more than us but coach howard kind of seemed to act more as a peer to us in certain situations mm-hmm. he uh really connected with us on a personal level uh he's really good about reaching out to us individually and learning how to coach each of us individually um i'm sure a lot of people are seeing now like especially in the nba as the nba is a players league people have to adapt to each player and Coach Howard, as a former NBA coach, really brought that to the college level, learning that each player learns differently. Uh, they learn by different communication. Like you can yell really loud at some people, or you have to pull them aside and kind of point it out to other people. So I think he really took a personalized style and really appreciated our individual strengths and weaknesses for our team. Um, and I think that brought the best out in a team that probably, as most people would think, was a little under-equipped last year. Um, we really kind of believed in him we we really wanted to play for him because he believed in each of us individually and we came together as a team and brought the best out of each other yeah I mean that I feel like a tiny bit of each of that shines through I mean as somebody who watches on tv and sometimes listens on the radio uh, you'd see beeline with the board or um you know Howard talking to his guys individually but I feel like both of those styles they certainly embodied them to the best that one could um, but certainly not the same. Yeah. Is that, I mean, how, in terms of coaches, talk about maybe Sonali. I feel like he's more of a Howard. Yeah, no, Sonali's definitely more of a Howard type. Yeah. Like, CJ, I know you're going to, when you said he was more of a peer to you guys, I was looking at some of your, like, team shoot arounds. He's, like, jumping up and yeah. giving these guys, like, body body bumps or whatever and all that. It's like, I love to see that. Sonali's mm-hmm. kind of more of a guy like that for us, too, this past year, but... Yeah, and I just couldn't see, like, Beeline doing any of that stuff. So I was like, I'm sure you guys might have had a little more fun this past year or two. But, yeah. <laughs> Again, no no way is right or wrong, but it's just a different style. Like, I think especially with – there's pros and cons to everything. Um, I guess Coach – like, as you know, playing for Coach Sanawi too, um, you can't – as a coach, you can't become too much of a peer because then you lose the respect of mm-hmm. the uh, – or the, even, the, like, the aptitude to listen. Some kids won't listen as well if they just think, oh – we're just buddies, so I won't take them as seriously. So there's a fine balance to it. Um, and again, like it was great plan for 
two different coaches and learning from two greats because there are different styles out there and it helps me try to figure out because I do want to coach eventually. It helps me try to figure out what kind of style I want to take. So learning from two of the best is really good for me. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. We are going to swing it quickly to our, our other Wolverine in the room. And I have, as I said, this, uh, this other Google Doc. So I make a prep sheet for every episode that I, I send to our guests, kind of giving them an outline. And today I had to make an entire, another Google document called Jess Music Accomplishments. And it's going to take a few minutes, so bear with us. <clears throat> and I took this, I stole this from the internet. Uh, correct me if I miss any. Okay. Not to be that guy, but <laughs> please add some. Please add, yes. <clears throat> okay. Club national champion, check. Volleyballmag.com national club slash high school player of the year, check. USA gold medal, check. Wow. USA MVP, check. Double wow. High school state champion, check. Under Armour All American MVP, check. Michigan Miss Volleyball, again, check. Gatorade state player of the year, again, check. Gatorade National Player of the Year. Check. Your number was retired at Mercy High School. Already. <laughs> Bizarre. <laughs> and there is, a, there is an interview out there of Jess on the internet where a reporter compares her to Derek Jeter and Peyton Manning. I've never even heard that. Well, you were there, so. Okay. <laughs> um, so that, I mean... W- I don't even like. Is there a question to follow that up? Like, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> like, getting you in the door is crazy. So first, I guess after all that, what's your favorite experience? We'll give you a selfie. No, honestly, that's hard because you know so many people can't even say that they've won a state championship, let alone a national or a world championship, and that's just crazy. To in the see. same year. Yeah. Within see. how many months? Like. I don't know, six. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, winner. no, I honestly don't really have a favorite. I mean, winning a world championship was super cool because we had been only playing together for like two weeks. So for 12 girls to get together and within two weeks to beat the best teams in the world is absolutely unreal. But then the state championship, um, I've been playing with those girls for three, four years and um, we've gotten close, but never quite close enough. So that was definitely a nice one to win and come out on top and kind of cap my high school career. But then again, like a national championship playing against the best teams in the country and, um, playing with a lot of the girls for six, seven years, you know, I've played with a lot of them since I started playing volleyball. So yeah, it's kind of hard to pick one, honestly, but they're all sweet. Yeah, that is awesome. And, and so you this year, um, I just saw these videos today on Instagram where the Gatorade National Player of the Year for volleyball. I mean, I've seen like TV ads for that on ESPN. How does that how does that work? Do they tell you? I saw the video of you walking in and you look surprised, but like not that surprised. So was that something that she knew. one could expect? I mean, how does that even work? Um, so this year with me being on Michigan's campus early in January, it was kind of hard because... Um, they had to figure out a way for me to get back to Mercy and figure out a way to surprise me. So my dad had told me that I was coming back to Mercy for like an interview for Channel 7 or something for the state championship, which I totally thought was normal. Like a lot of reporters had done that already. Um, and then I walked in the door and they were taking me to our drama studio. And I was like, 
okay, why are we going to the drama studio? Like, we should be going to the gym or something. And I open the door, and there's just so many, like, friends and family, teachers, the whole Gatorade staff, like, 30 reporters in the room, which was absolutely insane. There were just cameras following me everywhere. And I started crying right away because I had no idea that it was happening. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's a nice surprise. And I think it was that day that, from that interview I watched, did my homework as a podcast host should, you, you were compared, as I said, to Derek Jeter and Peyton Manning. Do you feel like the expectations coming off of this year are big? Do they weigh heavy? Or do you kind of like thrive under that that expectation of greatness? I definitely feel like they're big this year just because of everything that's happened in the past year or so. Um, and then obviously going to a Power 5 conference um, and they're expecting a lot this year. We're going to have a really good team this year. So there's a lot of pressure falling on me, but that's why I play sports and I think I thrive under pressure. So I love to have pressure. I love to take risks and prove myself. So Right. And you're somebody obviously who's a closer, who's a winner. Um, I mean, and that's, that's legitimately, in my opinion, a skill. Um, I was coming up on the 18th hole today. Playing a little team scramble with my buddies oh, against Egg. I uh, want to hear it. I chipped up. It was a part three. I had an eight footer to win it, and I mean, yeah, I knocked it down. Is that is that similar to winning a world championship as the captain of a USA 100%. team? I mean, yes and no. We'll let the listeners decide. But that's, I mean, that I did win ten dollars. Um, but that's a big. I feel like that's a skill, and you won. Eggy salty. <laughs> so just you won all those within a short time of each other, but your career has not been a year. You've been working for many years. Um, and I think in a situation kind of similar to CJ's, you were kind of dancing around and you had the opportunities and you knocked them down. Is that a skill that you develop or do you think that kind of chips kind of fell your way there? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I definitely think it's a skill and people always say you're born with it but honestly like I think that's partially true I think it's a mentality that you have to have and like CJ was saying um, when he was going through this whole like tryout process you know you can't be scared you just have to be all in and you have to be willing to take risks and accept that it's okay to fail um, throughout my career I've haven't always gotten that last point um, in a match or whatever so you just have to be accepting to fail and just go out there and give it your all. Right, right. And you mentioned earlier the transition to college ball. You're going to have a chance, hopefully, this year to add to that list of accomplishments um, and win a college national championship for the maize and blue. What was the transition like graduating early from Mercy, heading down to Ann Arbor, and playing at what I would assume to be an elevated pace at Michigan? What was that like for you? It was definitely tough, but um, Mercy prepared me really well academically and uh, volleyball-wise. We played at a really high level all throughout my career at Mercy, so it was definitely an easy turnaround playing at another high level um, at Michigan, but it was still a challenge. It's a new environment, new people, a whole new ball game. It's a lot faster, but um, the coaches and my teammates and all the staff there did a really nice job of supporting me and checking in, making sure I was doing okay. And um, I would say things went really well, even though our spring season got cut short. But we're just excited to get back in the gym in the fall and compete. You think you're making a run this year? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Expect a natty this year. Wow. 
Okay. It's already going to end. Yeah, we got to end the list. It's getting stale. It's been a few months. The list is getting stale. Um, we are reaching that time for segment one, everybody. But as this is a University of Michigan podcast and we have two Wolverines on, I will ask you guys, um, for people out there who might be in, in high school and approaching a college decision, what is your favorite thing about the University of Michigan? What sets it apart and what kind of makes it special? Uh, CJ, we'll go to you first. Oh, wow. That's, uh, I think, especially the combination of uh, education and athletics, you kind of get the best of both here. Even if you don't play a sport, you can get a really good education and go see some of the best players in the world. Like, obviously, Jess plays volleyball. Volleyball is fantastic. I've seen so many volleyball games. Basketball, football, soccer, field hockey. I've gone to a couple of those. There are so many good athletes, so many good athletic opportunities. And on top of that, you have like one of the best schools in the world. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to beat, and that's what drew me to it in the first place. Right, right. That's awesome. Um, and sounds like a really good experience. People who I know that go there are really satisfied because it really does have that combination where, yes, if you're a serious student looking to learn a lot and kind of use college as a springboard into your career, it offers that. But it's also a nice experience, too. I mean, if anybody who's been at or near a, uh, a game at the big house on a Saturday in fall, I mean, there's, there are very little events in sports like that. Um, Jess, same question. Yeah, I would say kind of the same thing. That was a big thing I was looking for in my recruiting process was a school that could balance um, athletics and academics. But then in the classroom, it is a big school, but the professors really care about you. They want you to succeed and you don't just feel like another face there. You know, the professors go out of their way to put a name with a face and check up on you. So that's something that I value and something that I've picked up on really quickly in my short time there. Right, right. That sounds good. And uh, as an equally serious question to round us out, Jess, I recently played a uh, a match of uh, beach volleyball. And as somebody who knows nothing about volleyball, um, what are your top three pointers for somebody who is trying to make a name for himself in the amateur circuit? I would say just be open to learning a lot of new things. Um, I mean, I kind of picked it up. I'm not going to lie. You got better. better. Eggie was MVP. MVP. Yeah, MVP. No doubt about it. I could probably go one on one with Jess. Underhand serve or overhand serve? I was thinking jump serve, floater. I pick my spots out of six segments. Is that? Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. Eggie was holding up the numbers behind his back and everything. He was making calls out there. You got him in the same spot, you know. Yeah, my hit percentage was high three hundreds. That's so, good. Yeah. Well, I'm, as I said, he I can't beat the man. He got the hang of it. Yeah, him. not a big deal or anything. But uh, on the dunes, yeah, I made my I made my impact. Um, that's gonna be it for segment one, guys. This is gonna go out on a Tuesday, and on Thursday, come back for some more success in dialogue, tailored questions uh, around the five question method and how these guys approach the immense success that they've had. Trust me, these are. Tips and, and lessons and advice that you are not going to want to miss. Um, so thanks for listening to segment one. And make sure to come back on Thursday for segment two. Uh, and in this midweek break, in the meantime, make sure to go get it. Thanks, guys. Guys, thank you so much for listening to that first installment of Season 1, Episode 5. And as I said, I'm happy to let you know that we are going to be back this Thursday with Segment 2 of Episode 5 
featuring a little more success in dialogue, five question method type conversation, and just as much value as we brought in segment one. So make sure, absolutely make sure to tune in this Thursday if you listen on Tuesday. That being said, follow us on all of our social medias I gave at the beginning of the platform. Every like, every follow really counts, every retweet, it, uh, it counts towards the effort of getting this podcast out there. And I really appreciate every single like, every single comment, and all you guys out there who are, are pitching in. This podcast is completely free to listen to, so if you made it all the way this far, I'm assuming that you enjoyed it. Please, if you could, share it with at least one person. Maybe put it on your story, something like that, just so that you can kind of give back and and get out there and help others go get it just like you're about to go get it. As always, this episode was produced by my brother, Declan Lee. Find him on Instagram at So You Think I Can Draw. One more thank you to our guests, and that'll be it for me today. We'll see you back on Thursday at noon for Season 1, Episode 5, Segment 2, University of Michigan Athletics. In the meantime, make sure to get out there and go get it. Thanks, guys.